Hi, this is Dweezil Zappa, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hi, this is Steve Morse from Deep Purple, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 332 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. In episode 332, we have joining us again uh, from the band Brit Floyd. We have musical director, guitarist, and vocalist Damian Darlington. Uh, Brit Floyd was on the show about a year ago. Uh, as they were kicking off their 2016 tour, and uh, we're happy to have them back on in 2017 to uh, kick off the North American Immersion Tour. Uh, they're going to be doing two shows at the Benetton Center on March 10th and 11th. Um, almost undoubtedly a sellout if they are not already. Uh, but for those of you who've seen them, you'll certainly understand why. Uh, these aren't. This isn't your uh, typical. You know, when you think of a tribute band, uh, these guys kind of take it to a whole different level. Many of you, I'm sure, have caught them late at night flipping through uh, PBS, QED, if you're in Pittsburgh, uh, have seen, you know, videos of this and thought, what the heck is this? Um, Damien and Ian, uh, who are the, kind of the two vocalists, uh, were both members of the Australian Pink Floyd uh, and then have gone on to, to their own Brit Floyd. Uh, fantastic production. Um, I have to say I was not an overwhelming Pink Floyd fan when I went to see them the first time. But I uh, really, really enjoyed the show. Um, really made me kind of go back and experience the entire Pink Floyd catalog. So I'm looking very much forward to seeing them again in 2017. So without further ado, we'll give you Damien Darlington of Brit Floyd.
guitarist Damien Darlington. How are you doing, Damien? I'm very very well, thank you. Great. You are coming into Pittsburgh to do um, what will almost assuredly be two sold-out shows in Pittsburgh uh, in early March, so we wanted to get a chance to get you on the show and talk a little bit about uh, what we can expect from you know the, the new the new immersion tour in 2017. Can you talk a little bit about what's changed since the previous year's tours? Uh, well, we've certainly uh, rearranged the setlist quite a lot. We've brought a lot of new tracks into uh, the setlist that we haven't performed before, ever, as Brit Floyd. Um, brought back some tracks we haven't done for a few years now, things like Dogs, for example. We're playing that in its entirety. That's pretty much the, the whole first side of the Animals album. We've, re- As ever, we've redesigned the light show, introduced a lot of new video to accompany the, the songs we play. So, you know, if people have seen us in the last few years, they'll see a lot of a lot of changes in the, in the show that we put on. How do you guys? I mean, you guys tour. It seems almost the entire calendar year. Um, how do you how do you find time to do this? Do you work the new material in, you know, with sound checks and things like that, or do you guys have time for kind of a pre production before going out on the 2017 version of the tour? Um, well, we're certainly sort of thinking ahead. You know, when in the previous year when we're still touring about what we're going to do. Uh, for the following year so we're, we're sort of preparing the ground for it but we don't sort of sit down and really uh, work on the, this stuff until uh, the, the, the the month before we, we go on tour you know so for example we've we started touring a week ago prior to that we were having rehearsals and production rehearsals and pr- doing all the new lighting programming and, uh, and all that sort of thing so yeah there's certainly uh, a lot of preparation before the touring actually starts to happen I can imagine. No, you mentioned the video or the lighting specifically, but even the video. Um, how much goes into and, and how much freedom do you guys have with that amount of production behind you, with the videos syncing with the music and you know some of the obviously recorded voice tracks that you hear and things like that during some of the songs? Do, do you really have any kind of room for improvisation, or is it a pretty clockwork type production? It, it to be honest, it is sort of. Pre- pretty sort of clockwork um, you know we, we do sort of pride ourselves in the synchronization between what we play on stage and and the lighting programming and, and the video and that, that synchronization I think is a part of, uh, of one of the attractions of our show but within that you know there, there are certainly you know guitar solos and and uh, things here and there where we can you know introduce a little bit of improvisation in, into what we do mm-hmm. uh, and you know straight from the straight 
stray from the script slightly, uh, introduce a bit of our own sort of collective musical personality into what we do rather than sort of completely slavishly following everything Pink Floyd did. But, you know, we, we, by the same token, we still, it's a pretty well honed machine that we have. Now, the video itself, um, obviously, you have a team that work on that, but I'm sure you're involved with that in, to some degree. Is that video that is uniquely done for Brit Floyd, or are you borrowing some of that from, from Pink Floyd, or is it just kind of in the style of Pink Floyd? Um, we Everything that you see in our show is... Um, has been produced specially for Brit Floyd. Okay. I mean, there are a few exceptions here. That, you know, for example, we do, we we like to do a sort of a bit of a montage here and there of of, of images of Pink Floyd themselves. You know, so the photographs, what have you. Obviously, they're sure. they're, they're Pink Floyd's in a sense, but you know, it, it, the way that's put together is 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 for our show. And then then of course there is there are lots of videos which are recreations of. Of, of things that Pink Floyd back, did back in the day, or, or 3D representations of uh, um, album artwork, things like that, you know. But but it's all been produced specially for Brit Floyd. Everything you see. Now, is there particular songs? Um, obviously, Comfortably Numb. I think as a guitar player, is sort of a no-brainer uh, to be one of you know the highlights of the show for you. But are there particular songs other than the obvious that, that you like to play, or, or maybe some obscure songs on, on some of the albums that you really like to sink your teeth into as a guitarist? Um, yeah, there, there, there's a wealth of, of, of great guitar parts out there. You know, that's the attraction of um, recreating what David Gilmour did. He was such an amazing guitar player, such a melodic guitar player, so much feel in his playing. So, you know, pretty much getting to play anything, any of his parts, is, is a pleasure. You know, for myself as a guitarist, as a musician, uh, so not to single particular things out. I, I said um, we're, we're playing a track from the Division Bell album called Cluster One, which has a, a sort of interplay between guitar and keyboards in it, which I'm, I'm enjoying playing a lot at the moment. There's a lot of space there, a lot of feel. You know, it's, in some ways, it's more difficult than playing a really fast, busy guitar part in many sure. respects. Now, when you when you approach a song like that. Um you know, one that isn't in every guitar magazine ever published. Um, do you sit down with a record? Do you kind of dig out guitar tab books? How, how do you approach new material? I mean, there's so much going on in some of those tracks, you know, so many, you know, layers of guitars and things like that. How do you begin to break a song like that down? I mean, I personally, I just do it all by ear. That, you know, that's how I've always worked as a musician, you know, sort of orally transcribing these these parts you know and just memorizing them it, it's it's a skill you sort of develop over the years of being able to sort of separate the parts you hear out one from the other on the album you're listening to so um you know i rarely rarely look at music or tabs or or things like that i just sort of listen very carefully and work it out is um you know being that you're, you're playing the music primarily of david gilmore um did he tend to work as a guitarist off particular modes or scales that that kind of aid you in that? You know, knowing where his tendencies would go as a player. Well, obviously, you do get to know what a player, you know, his style, his technique, the sort of melody he likes to to introduce into his playing. So, uh, you know, I mean, David Gilmour fundamentally is is a blues guitar player. Um, but he wasn't afraid to sort of experiment with that and also to, to dress it up in, in, in effects, you know, whatever technology became available at the time when it came to guitar effects. So, but fundamentally at the heart of it is a, is a blues guitar player using the same sort of scales and modes that, uh, you know, your, your classic blues players used. 
Um, so, you know, obviously that gives you a head start if you have an understanding of that, of what he's likely to be doing in his solos. Do you, um, my uh, kind of a guitar geek question, can you talk a little bit about the Roland unit that you occasionally use? What exactly that does for a guitarist, for those not familiar with that? Um, I, I'm actually still using some uh, some Roland guitar effects units. There's a VG8 and a VG80, and they've actually been around for a long time, but I've always found them very useful in what I do um, just to give me that extra ability to do a, a wide variety of guitar sounds. But, but more recently, um, I, I've started using a Fractal Audio Axe effects as well, and that's mm. be really sort of become the heart of my guitar rig. So I use that in conjunction with the Roland equipment, and you know the, the combination of all these pieces of gear give me the ability to pretty much recreate any guitar sound that Gilmore um, uh, produced on 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 the many Pink Floyd albums over the years. And he he was a guitar player that did sort of change his sound Absolutely. quite from album to album. So you know there's a there's a lot of variety if you want to get it right to to recreate that. Yeah, it's amazing how many musicians have have really bought into what Fractal offers. You know, so you're not lugging seven vintage tube amps all across the globe and worrying about uh, you know breaking them in airports and things like that. Yeah, um, definitely. Do you do you guys ever delve into um, David or Roger's solo material? Like, there's no way out of here or anything like that. Do you, is that in the scope of what you guys could do in in Brit Floyd? Um, it, it's not. It's not been there until you know before this point in time. But we, we've sort of considered that the notion of perhaps doing a, a Gilmore solo track and a Water solo track, introducing it into the set. But you sort of end up thinking, well, if we do that, then we lose a Pink Floyd track, you know, yeah. somewhere along the line. And fundamentally, you know, we're a Pink Floyd show, so it sort of stopped us doing it for whatever reason over the years. You bring up a great point there. I mean, with Pink Floyd, uh, you obviously have. Uh, you know the casual fan who knows you know for lack of you know the the songs from echoes for example um but are there are, are your fan base would you say more the people who want to hear the obscure you know live rendition from you know pompeii or something like that do you find your fans are a little more hardcore as a rule or more casual pink floyd fans and there's there's going, there's always going to be a cross section of, of these sorts of fans, and I think it is important to sort of try and cater to to all the sorts of fans. But you know, fundamentally, we you know, we're always going to play something off Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, The Wall, etc. You know, for the more casual Pink Floyd fans. Mm -hmm. But we do also want to cater to the, the hardcore fans and 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 represent you know perhaps some of the older older material, the, the Sid Barrett era, you know, things like that, so it, it, there's a balance to be struck. You don't want to leave too, the casual fans too far behind mm -hmm. by sort of delving into the, the catalogue too deeply, but you, you, it is important to represent that and to, you know, this is where Pink Floyd came from at the end of the day, Sid Barrett, if there was no Sid Barrett, there'd be no Pink Floyd, you know, and that whole development between the, the, the Sid Barrett period and releasing Dark Side of the Moon. Now, when you put together the, like this tour, I mean, do you have, are you guys playing the same set list, you know, every night, or do you have, you know, maybe a couple extra songs that you flex in and out depending on, you know, how tired of a particular song you get, you know, or something like that? Is there some flexibility in the set list, or are you guys pretty static on that? Um, certainly, we certainly do have a, a few other tracks up our sleeve that we can swap out here and there in the set. But you know, fundamentally, the structure of the set 
remains the same. You know how it starts, how uh, the first half finishes, uh, what the encore numbers are, I- I- example. But there are a couple of spots within that where we can sort of swap out a song when we feel like uh, a bit of a change. Uh, mm. So yeah, yeah. But you know, certainly w- with a scale of this, uh, with a show of this sort of scale and complexity, when it comes to that, all that interplay between lights and video that we were talking about earlier on, y- it, it does sort of reduce your flexibility a bit sure. to sort of play about with the set list too much. Yeah, you're not shouting over to Ian. Let's go into you know <laughs> the different track here right in the middle of the set. Exactly. Um, um, are, I, I'm often curious about you know artists who write and record what might become their one hit. And, you know, do they get tired of playing that? You know, you think of a song like uh, More Than Words from Extreme or something like that. Is there a particular song, you know, you guys are kind of at a different perspective. Is there a particular song that you'd be okay if you took out of the set list, but you can't because it's just such a staple, just because of the sheer number of times you've played it? Yeah, um... Well, I, I don't like to sort of sit here and say, oh, I'm bored with this particular Pink Floyd Pink sure. song or not. But, you know, obviously, inevitably, when you do this, when you do as many shows as we do, and year after year, there are some songs that, you know, you do feel like giving a rest for a tour, perhaps. You know, I'm, I'm not particularly singing out, singling out Shine on You Crazy Diamond, for example, but, right. you know, this year, this year we've, we've chosen to um, uh, omit it from the set and do Shine on part six to uh, six to seven, or mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, rather six to nine, for example, um, you know, just to give it a rest for a, for a year. Not that there's, you know, obviously it's an amazing track and a, a pleasure to play, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, a 13 minutes and we, we can move that out of the set and perhaps make room for two other tracks, you sure. know, something like that, you know, for the right. time being. But obviously it will come back next year. So sure. there may well, there are other tracks you could say a similar thing about yeah, and, and and very well may come back fresher. You know, sometimes I think when you step away from a track and and you know come back to it, it's more enjoyable to play, and you can certainly hear that in musicians. Yeah, um, this show itself. I mean, do you have uh, roughly how long of a show is that this year, time-wise, from start I mean, to finish? It's it's still uh, you know there's over two and a half hours of of music, uh, and we have we have a break in the middle of that. You know, so it's a three-hour show pretty much um, from beginning to end. Do you still kind of marvel at the places you you get to play the beauty of the venues? I know you're in, in if I'm not mistaken, Birmingham today, a beautiful symphony venue, um, Radio City Music Hall, the O2 Arena. I mean, does that novelty wear off at some point of the places you get to play? Uh, well, I don't think it ever. You know, you you have to stand back and 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 think. You know, it's great as a musician to get to play in these these amazing settings. You know, I don't think you should ever get sort of um, too blasé about it. You know, um, so uh, you know to get to play somewhere like Red Rocks every every year is 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 some is very special. Is is a pleasure to do, and and you know there are many more other examples of venues out there that we're lucky enough to play in on a regular basis. You mentioned Radio City Musical. This will be the first time we've ever performed there this coming April, so that's very exciting for us. Um, and you know, short of playing in Madison Square Gardens, I don't think there's a there's not a more prestigious venue in New York City. So we're very excited about that one. Yeah, that was actually going to be my very next question. Is there somewhere, you know, somewhere on the bucket list of places you'd like to play? And, and you know, Madison Square Garden, you know, it's the the mecca. I mean, it's certainly in, in the United States, um, probably no more famous venue. Um, but uh, Damon, I want to thank you so much for your time. Again, you guys are coming in in, in early March to do show two shows at the Benetton, uh, the Immersion World Tour, and we want to thank you and wish you all the best, man.
Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Breaking Benjamin, live in concert. May 3rd, Stage AE Outdoors. Breaking Benjamin. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com or at the Stage AE box office. Brought to you by Promo West North Shore. All right, again, we want to thank Damian Darlington of Brit Floyd. Again, the U.S. tour kicks off on March 10th and 11th at the Benetton Center in Pittsburgh. Uh, and then they just literally go all around the country uh, from Indianapolis, Detroit. Uh, and this tour goes all the way into July, actually. Uh, they're finishing up in North uh, New York. So um, if you're in the sound of my voice in the United States, which is frankly everywhere, um, they're going to be coming somewhere near you. So uh, get a chance to check them out. It's it's more than what you might expect from a tribute band. So, uh, And if you're also, they are doing tours across the world as well. So it's not just North America. They'll be in Europe and uh, Asia and things like that as well. So if you go to Brit Floyd, that's B-R-I-T Floyd, Dot com, You can check out all the tour dates and uh, find out when they're coming next uh, to your town. So until next time, I want to invite you to visit us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com if you have information uh, you'd like to share with us, thoughts on the show or whatever. Our website is ironcityrocks.com. We're on all the social medias at forward slash ironcityrocks. That's Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. So uh, check us out on those as well. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, we appreciate the interaction from uh, the folks in western Pennsylvania and really all around the world. So until next time, we want to thank you for listening. <laughs>